Well, I hope everyone had a, a pleasant Thanksgiving, good time to be with family and friends. I do like Thanksgiving in that I, so far it's not been hijacked uh, by anything, and we can enjoy it. As we get into, though, this next season, season of Christmas, I always, uh, always think, always kind of ponder, how will, how, will I, uh, how will I approach this? There are so many things uh, that we can say and think about Christmas. Um, some of them are in, enjoyable. Some of them are very stressful. Um, I made a mistake one time. I'll share this. I didn't know what Black Friday was. And I went, uh, it's about five or six years ago, and I was looking for a, like a quilt. So after Thanksgiving, it was kind of a slow day, and uh, I just thought, well, I'm gonna run into more, one of the you know, malls, and I'm gonna go find me a quilt. Well, I found when I drove up to the parking lot next to Petmart, Petsmart, I thought, man, there's a lot of people buying dog food or something, you know? <laughs> so anyway, I walk into the store. I, I can't remember it now. I've tried to put it out of my mind. Uh, I walk in, and I've ne I mean, I've, there were people everywhere. There were security guards and everything, and I thought, boy, there must be some sort of sale or something. I, I didn't know. So anyway, I started making my way the best I could kind of like walking through briar patch of people just trying to get to this aisle where I thought there'd be a quilt where, where they had blankets and quilts and everything. Well, I turn the corner and I look down there and I see, yeah, I see quilts. They're on the floor. I see, I see two women uh, pulling on the same quilt. I'm looking at that and I decide not today. And so I walk around, and I noticed that the security guy was looking at me, because I was probably the only guy in there, you know. He looking at me, and he kind of grinned. I went over to him, and I said, what, what in the world is going on here? He said, well, it's Black Friday. I said, what is that? He said, look around. This is Black Friday. <laughs> so I purposely, on Friday, I stay on this corner and I don't get out. I got, got run. <clears throat> there are a lot of things we can think about Christmas. What I would like to do over the next few weeks is, is look and study Christmas under the idea analogous to a prism. And, uh, and that's why I've titled it The Prism of Christmas, which will look at different things each week that gives us, I think, the appropriate and accurate view of, of Christmas, what it means, what it should mean, and what it, what it can mean to each of us. As you know, a prism, you perhaps you, you know, remember them in, in grade school or something, I was always fascinated by a prism, which is nothing more than a transparent piece of glass, but uh, it's an object that that's, is able to separate uh, white light, just light, but it separates that as the white light passes through that prism, then it, it begins to reveal uh, different colors. Uh, Sir Isaac Newton uh, illustrated this when he was able to show that white actually has the combination of various colors. 
And so that's what we usually think about a prison, but it also, in our language, also refers to something that affects the way that we think about something. We shift the prism. Sometimes you've heard me say, well, let me shift the prism on that, and that's what I mean. It's how we think about something. We, we hear something or anything, but let's shift the prism and, and let's look at it from this perspective or see this characteristic of whatever we're talking about. This morning, I want to shift the prism. I want to start out by looking through the prism at, at Emmanuel. What does that mean? Christmas is like the light. But as we shine the idea and the celebration of Christmas, let's shift the prism a little bit and let's look at the various, as it were, colors, colors of God's gift to us. And the first one that I want to look at is Emmanuel. I'd like to read, begin reading in Matthew chapter 1, and verse 18, and it says this. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly, but while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins." So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, and this is in Isaiah, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. It comes from an Old Testament passage, Isaiah chapter 7, which we're familiar with that every Christmas season, I'm sure, You've heard this particular passage. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Butter and honey shall he eat that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. Emmanuel. What it literally translates to is the strong God with us. God with us but the strong God with us. So when we read in Isaiah that, you know, his name shall, shall be, and his name shall be Emmanuel, butter and honey shall he eat that he may know to refuse the good and choose the, refuse evil and choose the good. What's being described there by the prophet, even in the Old Testament, is that God was going to come and dwell with us. He was going to be with us, and not only that, but he was going to dwell among, within and among humanity in the same way that we do. Uh, we love butter and honey. We eat it. We learn to choose good and refuse evil, and God with us will do exactly the same. Now, let's think for just a moment and let's not, let's not uh, import our ideas of, uh, of God and of Jesus Christ 
into this, let's think about Joseph, because it was Joseph that actually was hearing that. And being a Jew, he had certain ideas and certain teachings uh, 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 of God and of God's spirit and of God wanting to deal with his people. So here's what we know about, about the Jewish mind at that time. First of all, in the Jewish idea from the Old Testament, they understood that any time that the Holy Spirit was involved or the Spirit of God was involved, they understood that it was the Holy Spirit who always brought God's truth to men. In fact, it was the Holy Spirit, according to the Jewish idea, that taught the prophets what to say and what to preach and what to, what to do. So, so Joseph had this very firm understanding uh, as a Jew that, that if the Holy Spirit had initiated this, it was from God. You know, we, we, we talk a lot about the birth of Christ and things, but for Joseph to hear this, it meant God's Spirit was going to bring the truth from God to mankind. But the second thing is that in the Jewish idea of the Holy Spirit, it was always the Spirit from God that, that taught men how to recognize truth when it was. If it was a false prophet or a, a true prophet, if it was the false way or a good way, it was the Spirit of God moving upon God's people and upon the prophets that always guided them as to recognize the truth when they saw that. The third thing that the Jewish idea had about the Holy Spirit, and as we think about this passage, was that the Spirit of God was that part in the very beginning of their teachings about creation and the world. It was the Holy Spirit who moved, the scriptures say, who moved upon the face of the waters. Moved, there was darkness. In Genesis 1, as we, you know, we read that, and we read in Genesis 1 2, uh, that there was darkness over the face of the earth. And the Spirit of God moved, stirred the waters, and things began to happen within creation. Uh, in fact, the Scriptures say, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, according to the psalmist. So, so these three things, uh, you know, were very, very important. Creation, uh, the Holy Spirit, when he's involved, he's involved in creating when the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of God is involved, he is bringing truth to mankind, but also he's enabling mankind to recognize truth when it happens. But there's a fourth idea, and they were very familiar with it, the idea of recreation. Book of Ezekiel tells us this. You see, the Jewish idea and the Jewish mind was shaped and formed by what we know as the Old Testament. Here you had the Pentateuch, you had the prophets, you had... And, and, and all of it, it shaped their understanding and their mind and their belief about God, about God's spirit and God's desire for his people. And the fourth one is that the Holy Spirit was always involved in recreation. All right. So book of Ezekiel, what it tells us is, you know, Ezekiel, the prophet, was called by God to go and look into a valley. And when he looked into the valley, 
God said to him, what do you see? And he said, well, I see a bunch of dead men's bones, dead men's bones. And God said to him, I will breathe on them and they will become living again. And Ezekiel was there and he couldn't believe what he saw. What he saw as he was dead men's bones, but all of a sudden the breath of God, and that's what we know as the Holy Spirit. In the New Testament, we call it a pneumatos, okay? So it's the breath. It's the breath of God. It's God's breath, God's spirit. Breathe on those dead bones. And when that happened, Ezekiel describes it so beautifully. And if you ever care to read it, it's a wonderful read. Uh, Ezekiel 37. First of all, he saw the bones and he heard the bones rattle and shake. And then all of a sudden he saw sinews and he saw muscle. Then he saw skin. And he said, all of a sudden they all stood up recreation. So in Joseph's mind, when that angel was telling him, Mary is going to have a son. This son came from the Holy Spirit. We will call his name Emmanuel. What Joseph most likely thought is, God is bringing truth. He's letting me know how to recognize it. It is from the Spirit of God. And there's something new about to happen. God with us. You see, in all other religions, we, have, we don't have that idea of God with us. God is there. Or a God is there. Or the gods are up on Mount Olympus. You know, gods are everywhere. But not with us. And so here we find in this prism of Christmas that that's one one sliver of light that is so wonderful to think about. Christmas is about God coming to be with us personally, intimately in our lives. The scriptures are full of this very description. And I want to refer again to this, uh, the strong God with us. Not just God with us, but the strong God with us. Emmanuel. Book of John, chapter 1, gives this description, but not to the Jewish mind. What, when John writes in the Gospel of John, he's writing to the Greek population, and they understood it in a little differently. They didn't have the same mindset as, as uh, the Jewish people. They had different ideas. But John wrote, and why did he write this? Because it was laid upon his heart by God, and God showed him which way to write. And here's what he writes. In the beginning, he writes, was the Word. Now, he doesn't, well, here's something interesting about the Gospel of John. He does not go into the, the actual physical birth of Jesus Christ like we have in the book of Luke or the book of Matthew. He doesn't go into that. What he goes into is what's behind that. He goes into the, the, uh, the truth of it. What's behind this story we just read? Here's what he says. In the beginning was the Word, Logos, all right? And the Word was God. Oh, no, the Word was God. Not only with God, but the Word was God. And the Word, he writes, became flesh and dwelt amongst us. That word dwelt, I refer to it various times. It's a fascinating word, dwelt pitched his tent. Temporary. 
But what John is writing is that the word came and dwelt amongst us. He pitched his tent among us. And I like to think of it more from our perspective. He pitched his tent on the banks of our suffering to be with us. Emmanuel, the strong God is with us. And that's what Joseph was hearing. John writes and he says, The word became flesh, dwelt amongst us. We beheld his glory and the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The strong God with us. If Jesus Christ had not come in the flesh, all we would have would be just ideas of God. Like the Greeks or the Polynesians, or Romans, or Vikings. We would have just ideas, and we would speculate how to please God. Uh, we would do human sacrifices. Uh, we would worship trees. We would cut out of a rock and call it a god and give it. We would give all of our crops, everything, to these gods that we imagine. But because Jesus Christ came in the flesh... Emmanuel, we don't have just ideas. We have actually the way it's supposed to be. That's what John says. We saw him. He came and he dwelt in the middle of us, and we saw him, and he was full of grace and truth. That's the prism of Emmanuel. That's that sliver of beautiful color. That God came to us, and because of that, and he lived among us in the flesh, we can see what true grace and beauty is actually all about. Book of Luke, Luke records the, the, uh, the occasion with, with Mary, when Mary was made aware that she was going to uh, have a child. And she says to the angel, that the angel came and visited Mary, says, well, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God, Emmanuel, the powerful God with us. All of Christianity has, has understood this. In fact, early on in the history of the church, when anyone or any group or any movement would try to uh, dis, uh, or disenfranchise Jesus Christ being God, they were considered heresy. Heretics. They would get them out. Why? Because Jesus Christ as God living among us is the linchpin of Christianity. Apart from it and without it, we are no better than the Romans, the Greeks, the Vikings, you name it. We're no better. But because we have a belief in faith that God did come and live among us, our faith and our religion is uniquely different in all the world. 
Paul understood this when he was writing, and he wrote to various churches uh, about this. He wrote to the church at Rome in Romans chapter 8. Here's what he says. He says, what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness or shrouded in the same flesh that you and I have on account of sin. And he, the son of God, Paul writes, but let's go back to our original definition, Emmanuel, he, the powerful God with us, condemned sin. He was able to do that. He was able to reveal it. He was able to show what sin actually is because he was God. He writes to the church at Galatia and he says this, In the full, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law of humanity. Then he writes to Timothy, a young pastor, and he says, Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. And then he explains what this mystery is. God was manifested in the flesh. Do we realize, can we not wrap our minds around the uniqueness and the beauty of the Christian faith? Our belief, not that God exists. Anyone can believe that God exists at a distance, somewhere else. But our belief and our faith is that God not only exists, but he came and he manifested. He showed himself to us. What do you mean? Why? Because Jesus Christ, he was seen by the angels. He was preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and finally received up into glory is what he, is what he tells Timothy. But I really like what he wrote to the church at Philippi because I think he captures this whole thing. You see, Christmas, let's, let's, today, through the prism of Christmas, Emmanuel. In fact, there's an old, one of our favorite uh, Christmas carols or hymns um, was written. It's Latin, it was written, Vini, Vini Emmanuel. Come, O come, Emmanuel. I think it's about 1650 or somewhere in there. But it's written, and, and it's, it's, it's beautiful, which I'll, I'll read here in just a part of it just in a minute. But the beauty of it is that God came and lived among us. So he writes to the church at Philippi, and he says, let this mind be in you. In other words, I like to say, wrap your mind around this. Jesus Christ, and he's writing to the church, Jesus Christ, who being in the form or the substance of God, he did not consider it something to be desired to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. It's beautiful. I mean, it just is. Early hymn of the early church. And being found in appearance as a man, he showed us the truth of how to please God. He humbled himself. He became obedient to God, even to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And now because of that, Paul writes, he says, now he's given Jesus Christ a name above all other names. 
No, God with us, Emmanuel, shows us, brings us the truth, shows us how to recognize the truth, recreates our heart, and makes it possible for us to truly, truly be children of God. The writer of Hebrews writes, and he says this, we, as children of humanity, we all have been partakers of flesh and blood. Unfortunately, that sometimes brings us such suffering, doesn't it? Because of our natures and because of our choices. But then he writes, he says, he himself, the Lord, likewise shared in the same flesh and blood that we have, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death. You'll see, throughout the Bible, Emmanuel is a linchpin as to what we believe and how we believe it. He later writes and he says in the same chapter, the writer of Hebrews, he says, in that he came in the same flesh and blood that we have means as we have suffered, he has suffered. He suffered. God in the flesh suffered, just like you and I, just like you and I. He was tempted, just like you and I, God was, tempted. Yet he did not stumble. And now, the writer says, he is able to aid those who are tempted, or who are suffering, or who are struggling. I think that actually, again, captures the idea of Emmanuel. God with us He shared everything that we have. He shared with us. But he showed us how to live through it. And then he supports us when we are trying to do the best that we can. As I thought about that, I thought, well, that's the Christmas part, the Christmas part of Emmanuel, God with us. But what does that mean for us today? Well, at a very, very intimate and personal level, let me just share a few things that Jesus himself said. Because God is with us, because he came and lived among us, Jesus says, where two or three are gathered together, in my name, there I will be also. We are never alone in this crazy world. God is always with us because he came to be with us. He told his disciples one day, he said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And if you keep my word, Jesus says, my father will love you. We will come to you and we will make our home with you. Emmanuel. Strong God with us. Beautiful sliver of light out of that prism. God with us. At the end of his life, at the end of his ministry, the Apostle John, the last one that lived, he was the last disciple apostle, an old man. But he wrote something very, very, I think, um, encouraging to the church, to people, to Christians. And he said this, he says, you are of God, little children, 
and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. Now there we get the powerful God with us. No matter what we encounter, no matter how bleak or dark or depressing or discouraging, no matter what, remember this, powerful God is with us. Emmanuel, that is the linchpin of Christmas. And finally, Jesus says in the book of Revelation, and I love this, if he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him, and I will sit down, and I will dine with them. God wants to be with us. He wants to be in our heart. He wants to not leave us by ourselves. So when Joseph heard that from the angel about the Holy Spirit, about Emmanuel, Jesus, I don't know, maybe his mind went back to an Old Testament passage that God made a promise a long time ago. God promised anyone that he is with. He says, fear not, I am with you. Do not be dismayed. I'm your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand and even to your old age, God says, and even to your gray hairs, I will carry you. Now we can begin to wrap our minds around what it means when we say Emmanuel, God with us. Finally, here's one of the verses of Vene, Vene, Emmanuel. O come, thou day spring from on high, and cheer us by thy drawing nigh. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night, and death's dark shadows put to flight. Rejoice, rejoice. Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. So, the prism of Christmas, let's look at that Emmanuel, that sliver of beautiful heavenly color. Emmanuel, God has come to be with us and to this day still will. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the time that we have to ponder and to think and to yield our thoughts to what you have preserved for us. I pray today, Lord, that during this festive season that we all enjoy and look forward to, that we would, in the perhaps quietness of our days or nights, stop and give you thanks for what we read of Emmanuel. You came to us. You've come to give us life to recreate our heart, recreate our spirit, and Lord, we're thankful that no matter what takes place in our lives, you are willing to be with us at all times. And we'll give you thanks in our Lord's name. Amen. Let's stand this morning and very appropriate hymn. What a friend we have in Jesus. That is so, so true. 
So as we sing one verse, if you would like to come and pray, please do. Or you can pray where you are in the pew. God knows your heart. I mean, he just does. So let's, as we sing, let's give thought to this, that God wants to be within our heart and soul. As we sing, Brother Ed. 154, as we sing this morning.